Hello, Podwalkers, and welcome back to the Goblin Lore Pod. Um, the Not the Sliver Lore Podcast. I want to emphasize, in case people are confused after seeing our name change. I'm going apparently... to make sure there's plenty of Sliver talk in the future, though. So Okay, they'll that's be around. fair. But but we did have, I think we did at least throw off one of our actual people. <laughs> so, like, one of our, our Discord members actually was a little confused by this. So I don't want to, you know, mess them up too bad. But we are still yeah. the Goblin Lord podcast. Yeah. Um, and welcome, Podwalkers. We have a very special guest for you this week. But before I get to that, I'd like to introduce myself. I'm Taya, pronouns are she, her, they, them. Um, would like to thank the Grinding Coffee Company for their support of the podcast. They're... Uh, minority-owned LGBTQ-run company that provides uh, plenty of caffeinated goods for everything you need. Um, info and links are in our link tree. And, and uh, Hobbs, why don't you introduce yourself? Yeah, so I am Hobbs. I can be found on Twitter at HobbsQ. My pronouns are he, him. And that that's basically all I have for so far. We haven't done any questions yet, so... Let's get it. Let's let's get to our guest. The most important part today. Yeah. Why don't you introduce yourself? Uh, hi, my name's Kira. Uh, probably better known as K. Arsenault Rivera. That's uh, two last names there, uh, not a first name and middle names. I, I get that a lot. It's two last names. First name Kira. Uh, I wrote the March of the Machine story. I also wrote Innistrad Midnight Hunt and Crimson Vow, as well as a short story for the new Capenna arc. Uh, My pronouns are she, her. Great. It's so good to have you here. I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us about the story. Uh, and like we start every episode off, we're going to start with a, a basic question. And um, this one's going to be pretty simple, mostly because Hobbs and I both forgot to think of one. So this is this is goblin brain uh, going already at this time but we're just going to start with who's your favorite legendary character uh you know that can include a planeswalker or a regular legendary see you said legendary character and immediately my mind went to olivia voldaren but if you're including planeswalkers then it's going to be liliana Vess. um i actually i have the two thousand dollar statue uh, the liliana Vess statue right behind uh. me as i'm recording this i've got like a whole liliana wall uh, I, the no. first thing I bought myself with one of my Wizards of the Coast paychecks was actually the Yoshitaka Amano Liliana. So I do not oh. fucks around. No, no, you, yeah. no. you I, do I that. Is the, awesome. Yeah, I have the the uh, Chandra statue, so that's just kind of much how I feel about Chandra. Uh, uh, I have a stuffed Nicol Bolas. Yeah, that's pretty cute. <laughs> yeah, I guess you can go next, Hobbs. Although I think we all know what you're gonna say. So, you know, you would think that it was Nicol Bolas, but I'm going to I'm going to go lately. I have been going hard for Squee. Squee Squee getting story has has like done so much. I always loved Squee and uh the biggest complaint I always had about Squee was we really had no lore about Squee. We had kind of cards, we had very little actual story even from long novels. There really wasn't a ton about Squee, but we knew that he was immortal there was like all this cool stuff that could be done with him and we finally got that and it really has pushed him to the front and then adding him onto a card with Slimefoot, so we have like the two cabin boys of the um you know the skyship weatherlight that i don't know squeeze doing it his his story by dan really uh 
this thoughtful kind of goblin with intention that made an active decision for himself about mortality is just really been pushing him up to the top for me. That was a really good story. That was an incredible one. I read that one too. And like, um, I, I might I might break some hearts here. Goblins have never been my first pick of archetype. That's but, fine. Uh, I I really love that one. Um, I also thought that having a goblin, especially an immortal one, confront his mortality and make a decision like that was really good. Um, it felt kind of similar to the Rankle story, but like maybe in a different direction. Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny because like uh, so I we I have to laugh because I had been I had been harping on the no squee story for a very long time enough so that we had uh Gianelli um on the show and he knew <laughs> that the story was coming because of one of the books that he had been written on. And I was just like ranting again as I normally do about squee. And so when 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 the squee story finally came out, Jay was like, Yeah, it was really difficult to be on a show with you and kind of not be like Hobbs. You're you're gonna get it. It's coming finally. I know. I know what you think. Like, but I I had always thought that like a an immortal goblin to confront that. Uh, it was my biggest complaint the first time we went back to Dominaria after you know the the long absence was that he got a card but no story and like here we have this goblin who's been living on Dominaria this entire time, not knowing what he was up to was just to me a, a, an area where story could just really be developed and then dan did it so did yeah. i surprise you at least a little bit taya a little bit yeah i, I, I mean it, it's bolus too <laughs> like it's bolus, <laughs> but i've said that enough yeah um i mean i could i could say chandra too but i think people have heard me talk enough about her so i'm, I'm gonna go with my um what what has become a favorite of mine, another fiery planeswalker, but um tying it back to the story, Ren has jumped up in my um my list of planeswalkers I really enjoyed. And uh just I, I know we'll talk more about it, but the the scenes with Chandra trying to teach Ren how to control her fire were just so perfect for me. Uh, yes. And I loved them getting a team up in the storyline is uh you know that they had to go and kill off my my girl jaya uh so seeing chandra kind of pick up that that literal torch of uh the, <laughs> the red teacher uh, and uh try to try to be jaya for somebody else i i was really touched by that I'm not going to lie, just even where you're talking about that, that initial moment between Ren and Chandra was literally when this specific story hooked me. Um, and I think it's it, it, it was seeing Chandra actually with some emotion regulation um, around her own fire and like move towards impulsivity and being able to try to have that discussion with Ren was what initially hooked me in the story. So I don't know if that's a good jumping off point or not. However... I mean, that was the think, moment that drew me in. I think that's a great one, especially if you want to talk about like creative processes and stuff like that, because um, that touches back on what was main, maybe the biggest decision I had to make when I was approaching March of the Machines, which was how do we tell this story and how do we hook people into this story? Where are we going to zoom in? You know, what scenes are going to compel the reader to keep going because obviously you've got a whole bunch of stuff happening in a whole bunch of different planes if i wanted to i could have probably just done one episode on each plane you know 
people are suffering here, people are suffering there. Sometimes they overcome, sometimes they don't. And that would have gotten across just as well, uh, the issues and the struggles of New Phyrexia. But what I thought was more impactful and what had always put me back to magic as a magic fan are the characters and the planeswalkers. So I very purposely chose to have that scene with Chandra and with everybody having these like very human reactions to everything that had happened because we as the audience also need to take that step. We need to take that, you know, that moment to breathe just as Chandra's telling us to, to process what's going on before we rush headlong back into the invasion. So one thing that I kept in mind throughout was that every single chapter needed to have a human element and I needed to zoom into that human element of what does the invasion mean for this person at this time? So I will say that, the, you know, we're kind of talking a little bit about process. And and one of the things I, I want to discuss is kind of this idea that, you know, this is web fiction. And mm-hmm. as, as you're saying, like, yes, you could have had, forget, you know, a story for each of these planes or these characters or any of this like you could have had literal full book chapters i mean this this easily could have been a novel i mean this is one of the things that we're actually i think hearing people say for the first time that i can say in a while is they want the books back because it it it, it's a very different thing to get a story in 10 pieces with some side stories over a two-week span yeah and i'm curious how this is for you yeah, sorry. I go just ahead. want to say I, I'm glad that this was a um, two week uh, or two, twenty two, excuse me, ten episode storyline because this would have been so hard to do in five stories. It just was so much to tell. I'm gonna go ahead and posit that I it's probably impossible to do it in five. Yeah. <laughs> um, like even with ten, there were still moments where I had to just abbreviate things for the sake of getting them going in terms of how I approached it. um, So March of the machines, we did story first um, and we did story way before we did anything else. So two years ago, basically uh, we started working on this and um, you know, I knew that I had 10 episodes and I knew that, you know, the word count is about 5,000 words for each of those. Um, For those of you who aren't really familiar with short story length or anything like that. Um, most of your typical literary short stories that you were forced to read in high school are around 5,000 words tops. Um, an average adult novel is around mm, 60,000 to about 80,000. And a fantasy novel, which is what our audience is probably most familiar with, would be about 120,000 to 160,000. Now, my backing is that I came from fantasy novels. My first novel, The Tiger's Daughter, available at all fine retailers nationwide and internationally. Um, nice. That's is, what we like to see. We always want people promoting themselves. Do it. Yeah. Yes, please buy my book, The Tiger's Daughter. I really want to earn out. But <laughs> um, that book is 160,000 words. So that is triple the length of the main story that I had to work with here. Now, um, as a writer, I like to take my time you know, I like to tell very leisurely stories, with long descriptive passages, and I like to spend chapters and chapters just doing 
characters talking to one another. Those are my favorite kinds of chapters. I actually really hate doing fight scenes and battle scenes and March of the Machine is like nothing but those. Um, So, you know, it was intimidating. It was intimidating sitting down, seeing the scope of the story, both as a magic fan and as a writer and realizing I only had 50,000 words to tell it all. And I think that's where that decision of, okay, I'm going to have to sacrifice a lot of stuff. What is it? most important for the reader to get from this what does the reader most want to see and then zoom in on that Um, the other question was of course how to structure it and the way that march of the machines is done uh the first five episodes are kind of the invasion section if you will where you know we pick up right from where all will be one ended we see the invasion on several different planes we see the planeswalkers react to that we see stuff go kind of left for Tamiyo. Um, you know, we get our vignette episode. We check back in with Chandra. You know, stuff's going left in the first five episodes. Things are looking kind of dicey. But then uh, episode six comes along, and I purposely use that as kind of a fulcrum in the story uh, to pivot us from the, you know, things are going bad section to the we have some hope section. Um, So I think in terms of approach, um, the biggest consideration for me was how to structure these 10 episodes, you know, uh, such that they didn't, it felt like there was momentum to them. And uh, to do that, I just, uh, I decided to mirror the characters. So you get the mirrored vignettes at the beginning and the end, you get, you know, Chandra coming back, you get um, Elspeth in the middle there and you get Elspeth at the end with Koth. Um, yeah, it was, it was tough. Believe me, it was tough, but, uh, the main thing I chose to focus on was character. Yeah. And there, there is a lot of characterization in these stories too, which I really enjoyed, especially, you know, as you said, with how much of a focus there was on battle in these episodes that we still got these really good story moments between characters. Uh, especially going into the um, kind of the epilogue episode 10, um, which was almost all interpersonal um, points or, you know, uh, story beats. And I thought that was um, really good for being able to tell these character stories while in, um, you know, a major battle story arc. Yeah, it's like, I could have done um, episodes seven, eight, nine, and half of episode 10 as battles, right? With the last part of episode 10 being a bit of a come down on that. But as much as people sometimes like to say that they want to see huge battle scenes, it does get stale. And battle scenes can be very tense. Um, a lot of stuff happens in a very short amount of time. You don't get as much space for characterization. And especially with something like this, that's the resolution of 30 years of story. I don't, I think that it's more important that we get to see Teferi having that second to mourn for all of the things he's lost. Koth having that second to mourn for all of the things he's lost and realizing that it's kind of unfair for him all the way that this is shaken out and wondering what's going to be next like i love him to get to be able to have that discussion of like you know uh, he's known metal right (laughs) that's the whole thing he's known a a plane with life that was metallic i mean there was 
now he's on this like i loved the descriptions like the earth giving way before him it just feels weird right like it's just not a natural feeling and now what is he supposed to do I mean, we have a planeswalker that really hasn't been planeswalking as far as we've known them. We've seen them on Mirrodin. He hasn't had time to planeswalk. He's too busy trying to make sure people don't die. Like, yeah. <laughs> Toth is one of the yep. hardest working planeswalkers <laughs> in the multiverse, man. Like He's like, War of the Spark, no. <laughs> like, no there, there's yeah. no way I'm going to Ravnica. Nico Bolas? I don't, <laughs> I don't care about him. <laughs> And um, another thing, too, um, and I think it's important to touch on this as well, is that um, Koth, especially, you know, he's a black guy um, and he is this big, strong dude who's had to bear a whole lot of weight. And it was important for me that we got space for him to be vulnerable because that can so often be an issue with black men in media is they're not allowed to be vulnerable. It's a similar thing with black women, too, where you're always expected to be the strong black character. But uh, Koth has just put up with so much and he has lost so much and he deserved the chance to be able to stop and mourn that. I think more than almost anybody in this story. The only one I would argue is Teferi. And even then, you know, um, he's a different archetype, but he's he's still a black man. And we need to have those moments of vulnerability uh, we can't just have, you know, masculinity and stoicism be based on, yeah, you know, Koth uh, worked for 20 years to save Mirrodin and he didn't save them, but he's mostly okay. He's just angry about it. Like, yeah, he's angry about it, but he's also, he's lost everything, <laughs> you know? Yeah, he gets to keep the sons and that's pretty much it. Uh which was a nice touch ha- having the having the Mir and Sons over the new Zalfir. I yeah. Really was that your idea or was that part of the story beats that you were handed? Um, that was actually it was not my idea and it was not part of the story beats. I would say um, it was something that the story team came up with while we were iterating on um, March of the Machines because we did several rounds of revision and sometimes things change in between those rounds and I think it. Honest, this is pure speculation for me, but I think it might have come from maybe some of the art or something like that that was coming out of the world building at the time. But uh, they had a note in one of the revisions that was like, we think it would be cool if, uh, you know, we could get some of Mirrodin's sons in there. So I did. And it was a really powerful image to work with. So. Yeah, that is. because That's one of the really unique defining things about Mirrodin since it was introduced into the lore so i really liked that touch so just kind of going back a little bit even to the end of, you know you mentioned this is the wrap-up of a lot of like almost 30 year long story especially getting to like Zalfir and stuff how long have you been involved with magic story uh as a reader or as a yeah uh, as a reader even um, so I first got into magic during the Innistrad block, uh, specifically during Dark Ascension, because uh, Avis and Angel of Hope had just been spoiled. And a friend of mine who was in my tabletop group showed me a picture, you know, showed me the art and went, this reminds me of a tabletop character you would play. I think you would like this game. And they sent me uh, the Geist of St. Traft story. And they were like, there's story too. You'd really like it. This place is really cool. Uh, and sure enough boy did i like it um 
I got super duper into Magic the Gathering from then on. Um, and I followed the story very closely. Uh, I want to say, like, I, I started falling off, like, around Kaladesh a little bit. Um, I, I remembered reading a few of the stories. I didn't finish that arc. Um, and then I came back when Eldritch Moon happened, if I'm not mistaken. I might be getting things wrong here. But uh, basically, since Innistrad is the short answer. And um, I actually have an Avacyn Restored tattoo. <laughs> oh, that is that is really sweet. Yeah, it was the first tattoo I ever got. Um, I was I had planned to get a half sleeve and I was like, I don't know if uh, I'm going to be able to handle this pain well. <laughs> so let me get another tattoo as a tester. Uh, okay, what do I care about enough that I'm not going to regret this in like... 10 years i'll get a magic the gathering tattoo i won't regret that and in fact it got me a job so i was like yeah you don't seem to have regretted it yet no no i don't i'm going through a similar process where i just got my small tester tattoo which was a trans symbol and now i'm getting a half sleeve which is um megali's mountain from dominari united nice nice uh, that's good so I, I say small tester, but I, I should clarify that it is larger than a magic card. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, mine it mine is as well. It's, there we uh, go. Yeah, so you've been you've kind of had Innistrad as a defining a defining thing in your magic uh, career. <laughs> it, I have um, actually when I applied to write for ROTC, um, you know, I had kind of forgotten about it, but I had included that I had an Avacyn Restored tattoo there. Uh, and I want to say like six to eight months later, I got an email from Wizards of the Coast, which I already could not believe. But then the email is like, we're so sure that you're going to say yes to this assignment that we're just sending you the, the NDA in the first email. <laughs> and you know what? They were right. Because like, after that, they were like, oh, yeah, you're working on Innistrad. I was like, I'm working on Innistrad. <laughs> I was beside myself. Beside myself. <laughs> oh, that's. I was gonna say, are you? Were, did, so did, did you feel okay then, not have, getting to write Innistrad in the middle of this? Oh God! <laughs> Is it hard for you to like pass that over? Like, <laughs> oh man, it was it was tough. It was tough because like there was a list of planes that I could have gone to, and um, I wanted to do Innistrad really badly just because I love Innistrad so much. But I was like, I was just there. It's not super relevant to the story. <laughs> I can't justify it. It's more important to, you know, see other stuff. I have to be a big bean. <laughs> I have to not go back to Innistrad. But then it worked out very well because Shannon got that story and she knocked it yeah, out of the Shana park. Yeah, got to write Gisa and it was, it was amazing. Yeah. I, uh, Anytime Shannon gets to write Gisa is a good time. I'm curious how much, you know, especially for this arc... Uh, how much you got to be, you know, in contact about the side stories? Were you aware of what was going on with them at all? Or was it all kind of kept pretty separate? I had no idea. Okay, cool. I mean, that's um, <laughs> it's like, I would say that I had vague ideas of what the big story beats of the um, set itself would be. And so I knew that there was stuff that I wasn't saying, um, but I didn't know what the stories themselves would be. Like, I, I knew the vibes of what was roughly missing and maybe where some of them would be set. But even then, I didn't know all of them. 
I was just say because you 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 sent some people off, right? Like you you sent people right. off on their jobs, and then from there had to kind of well at least see how that turned out. I mean, I'm sure you probably like you said you had some structure to know whether you know Atraxa was coming back or something. But yeah, it's a, it's a bit of a trust fall um, sometimes with a set like this because uh, let's say that first chapter where Norn's sending people out, right? I knew then that I wanted to focus on Tamio as one of them. And I knew I certainly did not want to focus on Luca. So, yeah. um, <laughs> yeah. you know, it, if you, ha- if you only have a limited amount of space, you're going to make some decisions there. And I thought that, you know, also not for nothing. Um, people really care about Tamio. Yeah. Uh, she's an important character. She's a mom. She runs a book club. It's horrific that she got completed. I was so sad. Uh, yeah. Uh, Her completion and then story in this is, was, was some of the toughest on me personally. So yes. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm a huge Tamio fan. So I, um, just her whole magic style and everything was so unique that I was like, I, I was in shock when, she got completed it really was i was, I, I, too. I was angry i was angry yeah. <laughs> like flat out <laughs> i mean i couldn't tell anybody about it for two years yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh that would be that would be really hard for me to do um <laughs> Any sort of these like storytelling stuff, I just can't imagine. Yeah, there's um, even like occasionally I'll do like the play test they have here in Seattle. So I'll be under NDA for some minor thing for a year and a half or so. And then when, you know, I finally get to talk about it, like the um, the Plains Chase Commander was one where I play tested that over a year ago. And just even having to keep quiet about something that small was hard for me. Not not quite the completion of Tamio level is what you're yeah. saying. Yeah, I mean, imagine <laughs> having to keep quiet about girlfriends. Oh yeah. <laughs> so. It was it was like that meme, you know, of uh, the 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 party with the guy in the corner, and everybody's just like you know partying and minding their own business, and there's me, you know, with my apple cider, going, they don't know girlfriends is canon. <laughs> <laughs> So, so do you get to write the story when Chandra brings Nissa to awkwardly meet Adeline? <laughs> I can't comment on future stories. Yeah, I know you can't. <laughs> uh, yeah that, that's, I mean, I, I know you can't. And I, it reminds me of when I, I talked to Dan about Squee. Like, he basically said there was also that element of he doesn't even know, right? Like, he had to end with Squee there, and then somebody else is likely going to pick it up. And I, I think of that with the the outcome of this, like you left doors open for a lot of directions and I, I'm assuming you're not going to get to write all of them. Uh, who knows? Maybe you are <laughs> speculating I mean, wildly. At, at some point, me and Shannon will just be writing everything. I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> but until I mean, that I, point, right, you have to trust yeah. that others are going to take characters now that you're pretty, This is a weird thing to me, like thinking about other so many writers writing the same character. It's kind of fun, honestly, Um, especially if it's a writer that you're friends with and that you trust. Um, Like I trust Shannon with pretty much whatever at this point. Um, And she trusts me as well with a lot of her meow meows. Um, So (laughs) 
when you have that sense of community, it's awesome to do and to um, interact with work by people that you like. Like um, episode six of this arc drew really heavily from the work that Martha Wells had done um, in her Dominaria stories and her stories about how angels are formed on Dominaria as well. Um, That was like top of my mind while I was writing this and being able to interact with her work was awesome for me and it felt really special even if like I didn't reach out to Martha at the time but being able to follow up with that and to use some of those vibes it felt really cool um similarly being able to bring back the Chandra Liliana friendship from the Kaladesh stories that I had loved so much was also something that I really appreciated so you know even though there's a future maybe where somebody's writing Adeline being very sad about this whole situation. <laughs> um, you know what? I'm just happy to see her. Another good case of this is um, there was a new Capenna story featuring Angelo who got completed. And I was so sad. I, I was going to ask. I, I, yeah. Your story for that was my favorite of the new Capenna stories. And um, I was going to ask about that because they kind of pick up right where the story leaves off with the wedding um, bit. And uh, how did it feel to have that, you know, taken in that direction for something that you uh, had written? Oh, I was so sad. But in another sense, like it was really rewarding and fulfilling to see Arendt and Parnes interacting and to see them getting to have that kind of relationship and yeah. thriving in spite of the stuff that's going on, like all of their cute little back and forth. Uh, I'll love you till all the canvases are, are full. You know, it was just, it felt good to have that for them. And yeah. even though I'm very sad about Angelo, I'm so sad. You guys have no idea. <laughs> um, I am happy that Arendt and Parnes get to live on. And yeah. I think that's what something like, you know, working in a shared universe is about. It's about leaving stuff that other people can work with, working with stuff that came before you. It's about creating this fabric of what is magic. And that's something that matters so much to me as a longtime fan before I became a writer of magic we stories. We just got an errant card previewed today, too. So yay on her getting a card. Although it should have been with her wife. Yeah. <laughs> That's my only complaint. <laughs> yeah, I know. It was <laughs> Yeah, the team up cards are doing kind of odd couples, so that was that was a little disappointing, but she did get a card. Talia and Gitrog is great. Drana and Lavala are great. I love yes. those. <laughs> Slimefoot and Squee are amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Yargle and Multani? <laughs> <laughs> that that's probably the least expected one for me. Real well, I mean, I guess we the other the, the other least expected, I think, is only not up there because of uh Morrow's thing, but Bori Brigmos and uh Fibblethup. Yeah, I don't know. Kari Zev and Brawl is also uh Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's been some there's been some. I mean I I actually really like this idea of a take on like the commander partners, but it was an interesting way to get story without getting story. Um, yeah. Like we know almost nothing. Like I know that Slimefoot and Squee are are, are like fighting. I, I don't know anything else. Well, that's another aspect of the trust fall too, is that some of the stuff that's really cool that's happening in March of the Machines, we don't have room for in either the side stories or the main story. So that's just gonna have to be on a card. Yeah, and that's 
that's what's making this such an exciting preview season too is there's just so much going on in this set there is and it's exciting for me and i wrote the story (laughs) i'm still getting surprised so you know one thing I wanted to ask you about when we're talking about like process is I know you mentioned kind of a little bit, I, I asked you before we had started, if this was okay to kind of bring mm-hmm. up, I saw a tweet talking about like this concept of, you know, your own kind of struggles with like either panic attacks with kind of the mental health concerns and kind of how that came about and like it, it influenced the story, which it, it, for me personally, so is a psychologist and in, in like half of the thing we do on this cast is talk a lot about mental health and when I mentioned, you know, even the the chapter one of Chandra, uh, the, the the emotion regulation and just her trying to pass on the Jaya knowledge while still not being the greatest at it herself, um, I'm wondering, you know, what how that impacted your process or how that impacted like the the, the personal touches that you added to the story because I know you've talked online a lot of personal touches went into this um, tributes to family, tributes to just so many things in your life. Yeah, so uh, March of the Machines, despite being an event set, um, is actually a deeply personal one for me. Um, I really did try to cram pretty much everything I love about magic into it. Um, And when it comes to um, my anxieties and my panic attacks, uh, a lot of that does come out, especially in that scene with Chandra. Um, A lot of the advice that Chandra you know, at one point she talks about breathing being important and then Ren's like, I don't, I don't have lungs. That's not very helpful for me. Um, But like, it's something that was helpful for me, right? Um, When you're having a panic attack, one of the more effective things you can do is try to just focus on your breathing to isolate that and to work on that. And then from there to branch out to other stuff to try and manage it. Um, And that, Chandra interacting with her fire and having to, you know, um, learn to deal with this thing that's always there and always threatening her. Definitely, I drew on my um, panic attacks for that because uh, I've basically been afraid at all times, almost, uh, since I was like 15 or so. Like, it comes and goes. There's like a volume to it, right? But I just have to accept that at certain points, I'm going to get very afraid of dying. It's going to come out of nowhere. And I just have to deal with that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. And, yeah. Oh, go on. Death, death I was phobias. just going to say that uh, oh, sorry, we're all talking over each other, but yeah. um, <laughs> it's yeah, a little too real. Sorry. <laughs> we all just you, like. <laughs> uh, yeah. You, your tweet about the story really being about fear resonated a lot with me. And it let me, you know, and I went back and, looked at the story again with that kind of lens and could really see how that was reflected in the writing. Yeah. It's, um, it's funny. Tor did this campaign Tor being my first publisher. Um, when my books were coming out about fearless women authors that they had. Right. And I told my partners about it and they were like, (laughs) have they met you? (laughs) Because I'm always afraid, right? Like a good example of this is on the train home today. Um, for those who don't know, the New York City subway is in a state of complete disrepair. Um, a lot of the tunnels have not been updated since like the 30s. And a lot of the signals haven't been updated since the 60s. Um, so there's this spot um, when you're crossing the Brooklyn Bridge where the train will always stop in the tunnel. And being trapped in a subway train is one of my... It's huge. I cannot stand it. Um 
every single time this train stops for more than one minute, I just start losing my mind. And I have to get out my little paint by numbers app to try and calm myself down. But like, that's a daily fear, right? That's something that I face every single day. In a similar way, Chandra has to deal with this encroaching fire that's within her, knowing that she's hurt people with it before, um, knowing that at any point, you know, if she does lose control too much, she's going to hurt people again. Um, in the same way, you know, Elspeth has been afraid of Phyrexians for her entire life. Yeah, I mean, she kills the crap out of them. She's the doom guy of Phyrexia. But, you know, she's also afraid of them. She did have a horrific childhood with them. And a lot of that, even though she's forgotten it, is just this impression of fear. Um, we have Tamio, who's afraid of hurting her family, um, afraid of her hurting her son in specific, afraid of leaving him behind. Uh, we have, you know, Teferi moving through the multiverse to try and make something happen to atone for his mistakes. We have Karn um, having to face the fact that, you know, this thing that he thought was great, he's going to have to kill Elish Norn at the end. And he hates that. He hates what it might make him become. He hates what, you know, he hates so much of it, but he does it anyway. Um, and of course we have Ren who uh, has to do something that's absolutely horrifying that terrifies her um, and, you know, ends up burning her out. And she does that even though she's afraid. And that was, was what was most important to me is that, you know, I'm, I'm just a regular bean. I'm a very small bean and I go about my day afraid all the time. And I still have to make things happen. I still have to write these books. I still have to do my chores. Uh, I still have to look after my partners. You know, all of these mundane things. But what if all of my fears were so much bigger? Yeah, what if I'm Elspeth and I have to make a decision upon which the entire multiverse rests? What if I'm Chandra and if I mess up, I'm going to blow up my loved ones? Um, I wanted to examine that and I wanted to have everybody kind of make that choice to push through no matter how afraid they were not to disregard fear as is so often the case but to acknowledge that it's there and try to move past it this makes me very much think of kind of this concept of um in spite of that i talk to a lot of people about when it comes to acceptance um because i think for a long time the message that people think is this i just need to push this emotion away i need to get rid of this emotion and then I can move on or I can do something. It's not until I get rid of that I'm going to be able to do anything, which in reality, that's, you know, it's the trying to, it's the, it's the old adage of, well, just sit there and try not to think about X, Y, and Z. And I think anybody that's ever dealt with fear um, has probably been down in the spiral. I, I've had a, a, a fear of death from my childhood where I would literally have insomnia because my brain would start thinking of the concept of nothingness or thinking of the concept of alive one minute, dead the next, and what that would mean. Mm. And if I sit there telling myself, don't think about death, don't think about death, don't think about death, well, all I'm going to be doing is thinking about death. And so, you know, the, the idea isn't that I'm going to get rid of that. It doesn't, isn't that I'm going to ever be able to, to stop it, kind of like the, the, the fire with Chandra. It's living with it or, or being able to do things in spite of it. Like, it's going to be there. Um, but then what is the choices that I'm making? And that's why I think that this was really starting to resonate with me. I also found it amazing to see Chandra, who kind of 
took all of this from Jaya. And I loved that moment with Ren. And that's why I keep coming back to it. Because as you said, even the the quote of the, I don't have lungs was because like Chandra's trying to take something that she's, she's learned, but she doesn't really even know how to pass it on or teach it, but she's, she's doing what she can, right? She's, she's passing on what she knows and what has been helpful to her and trying to make it relevant to Ren. And it was just funny for Ren to come back with this idea of just like, I don't have lungs. Like, what do you mean breathe? Like I, 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 this whole approach that you're kind of talking about, the uh, the whole thing of fear was everybody doing things even though they were afraid, which I think is the the thing for me that really made it powerful. Uh, especially from a mental health like practitioner standpoint and somebody who struggles then too with his own like history of panic attacks and depression and everything else. So, Yeah, thank you. Uh, that that does mean a lot to hear. Um, it's always really rewarding for me as an author um, when something that I'm trying to communicate can resonate even across, you know, distances and across like, people I've never even met before. Um, I think that one of the beautiful things about fiction is its ability to link people and uh, to foster empathy within them. Um, and if I can make people you know, understand or if I can give one person the ability to think, well, you know, beer is always the last thing to leave. We're going to go anyway. Uh, you know, that would mean a lot to me. Yeah, that that's a good line, really. The, the fear's last thing to leave. It's that was. Uh, I don't know. The, the whole discussion is really hitting home with me, and uh, yeah, as also somebody who suffers from constant anxiety, uh, being afraid of things that aren't likely to happen statistically is just something that I deal with every day. Um, being trans on top of that and having everything to be scared of that actually is happening makes it even uh, less fun. But, you know, try to uh, do what can and, you know, in spite of that fear and keep moving forward. And I, I think, you know, we saw that with the storyline that, and even, you know, going back to the, the ending of the story is people still paid a big cost, even if they faced their fear and got through it. The, you know, the ramifications of what happened are huge. Right. Like, it's not always going to be an easy thing. Um, yeah. You know, sometimes the only way to deal with a panic attack is to get through it. And sometimes that means you're crying and screaming for a little bit. And, you know, you might puke, you lose a few hours of your day, you feel pathetic at the end of it. Um, but you got through it. And you're able to keep going the next day and try to rebuild from there. Um, in the same way, even though everybody here did face their fears and we did have some good come out of it, there's wide spanning ramifications. Uh, the multiverse is on the floor crying, you know, tear streaked, got those little pinpricks beneath the eyes and everything at this point. Um, and, you know, we're, we're entering the phase where we give the multiverse a blanket and we make a nice little person burrito with it and we offer it some hot chocolate and some space. Uh, but that doesn't change the fact that, you know, there was still a panic attack and we're still dealing with those ramifications. Um, you know, there's stuff like um, Koth losing his only friend. Uh, um, what's going on with Johnny and with Nyssa? Uh, 
obviously the more physical ramifications of this invasion across planes, like a lot of this stuff isn't just going away. We do have to deal with it. But in the same way that, you know, your panic attacks don't just go away, you have to pick up and keep going. Um, yeah. Oh, go on. No, I was just saying, it's like, this kind of brings me to one of the things that I wanted to to bring up for, because I've just been seeing a lot of this whole idea that because we had Nissa and Ajani, quote unquote, saved um, or uncompleted, that, and, and, and there's indications that there may be more uncompletions or something coming because with just art we've seen for Aftermath and other things. Th- th- there are people who are feeling like this is like a cheat almost and that, right. Like there isn't consequences or I keep seeing this kind of discussion. And um, I know we talked about this with war of the spark, uh, right? Like people talked about wanting stakes that felt like there were like bigger ramifications. And, and a lot of th- that does come to death because I think that is what we're tied to with media, right? Like, I mean, it, it was a big switch for us to get to a world of like George R. R. Martin where main characters got killed. Right. Like, I mean, just like people might just be killed out of nowhere. Um, but it's almost not like we we equate that with consequences have to be that because that's what I've seen a lot of is that, that people felt like that was like almost like a cop out. Like we get gruel friends, which is cool. And like, that's the thing people are really excited about. But it's like, but Nissa just came back and a Johnny came back. And, you know, I'm sitting here personally being like a Johnny came back, but we already know what Johnny's history. Like a Johnny now has to be told that he killed Jaya and like decimated his his like a plane that he is very tied to and um not for nothing Bermaz is completed <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah yeah well yeah i think it was the planeswalkers is the thing that we're seeing yeah. right like because we're uh, yeah sorry uh but in in terms of the question of consequences yeah i i see a lot of people saying that you know death is a big one and that's that's what they want to see um at the same time, there's there's two responses here. Firstly, is that we have a whole set called Aftermath coming out. And to say that at this point there are no consequences is a bit like stopping reading Lord of the Rings before they get back to the Shire and everything's terrible. Yeah. Um, so yeah, when the movie's ended, so it's fine. Yeah, when the movie's ended, it's <laughs> fine. You know, it's in the West. Nothing's wrong. Everyone's yeah. happy. Uh, the other hobbits, don't, don't worry about it. Uh, so firstly, there is a lot of stuff coming up in aftermath. Um, and I think that, you know, it would be better to reserve judgment on consequences fully until after aftermath, after aftermath has dropped, um, because there's a lot of stuff in there. Um, for example, we've already seen that the Kenriths are dead and that's not something that we had space for within the story really, but that's something that's going to have huge ramifications. Obviously um, yeah. we know that the Kenriths are dead and that IR is dead. So obviously stuff is about to happen on Eldraine, right? Yeah. Um, we don't know. We what know, that we is. know that Rowan doesn't take things well. So, uh, no, yeah. she does not. <laughs> she very much does not. Um, so I can only imagine what's going to happen there. Um, but in terms of consequences that we've already seen, right? Like um, a Johnny and Nissa getting uncompleted wasn't without its cost. Uh, we lost Malira, who again had spent her entire life trying to just save Mirrodin. And in yep. the end, she wasn't even able to do that. She was able to save these two people who have both committed atrocities, but who she decided were worth trying to save. Right? Yep. Yep. Um, so we lost Mirrodin. Uh, we lost several thousand people. Uh, 
Karn gave up Fencer's spark. That's the one I literally talk lost a lot her head. <laughs> yeah, sure. We we can talk about Fencer's spark. Yeah. No, I I, I think that's going to take a lot more. I need time. To <laughs> Karn, well, like like Karn, Karn. We we did a whole series on Karn and depression. Um, ah, uh, yes. Literally spanning the story from when we first meet Karn and his friendship with. Uh, well, friendship with um, Joyra, not Joyra. friendship with Teferi, but <laughs> later on. But I mean, like Teferi was kind of a jerk. Uh, but was. but anyway, like he got better. He did. He yeah. did get better. Um, but we did a whole thing on Karn and and Karn's depression, and and it, to the point where Karn like like leaves Mirrodin and just like then comes back and what what has happened to this one creation he made, and now he had to unmake the creation going back on the pacifism and also then has to give up the spark. I, I just, I still need time. Like, that, like <laughs> I want to talk. This is why I want you back because story beats in particular, but it's just this idea that consequences, they're already there. Like you said, they're, I yeah. Want, yeah, there's more. I, I'm like, I have seen so little discussion about Karn and Venser's spark. And I'm like, do y'all that? Like, last time we saw Venser, his body was just being like, not only that, we have to, I had to see Venser's body be taken over afterwards too. Like, yeah, that's, that's one thing, one thing yeah. I want to note here is that I didn't know that card was coming. <laughs> so oh I saw God. that card and I was like, oh God, oh no, oh no, Karn, what did I do? What did I do? <laughs> no, buddy! I'm sorry, but yeah. Uh, I just, I felt terrible. <laughs> As soon as but, we saw Grevin on 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 Dominaria, um, I mean, not oh no, saw Urtai. Sorry, Ur when we saw yeah. Urtai, I was like, we're gonna get back there, and we're gonna have to see Venser. Gonna have mm. a Venser, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's um, Venser losing his spark is a big deal. Um, Malira dying is a big deal. Um, Mirrodin getting yeeted <laughs> into <laughs> non-existence is a big deal. Yeah, uh, and. Not for nothing, uh, as you said, a Johnny is going to have to live with what he's done. Miss is going to have to live with what she's done, what she said to Chandra. Miss um, and Chandra now have to negotiate their relationship with this moment as part of it, and as the thing that ultimately brought them together. Um, and we've that's. Always... Oh, go on. I was going to say we've always said that planeswalkers need therapists, but they're going to need a lot of therapy. Oh my group god, therapy. so many. Group therapy. Like, <laughs> I'm willing to lead this. it. Yeah. <laughs> like Kaya's messed up too. Like, um, that was another thing in terms of mental health that I wanted to try and show with Kaya's chapter in um Kamigawa is that she's under so much pressure right now. And she's somebody who's repeatedly been thrust into positions of power that she hasn't always asked for. And she doesn't know where Jace is. She all she, the multiverse is falling around her, you know, all over the place. She didn't necessarily ask to be part of the Gatewatch, and now she has to manage all of this. Kamigawa <laughs> isn't even her home plane. Um, yeah, know. she still has the broken sky to deal with on her home plane. The whole reason she went out into the multiverse to begin with. Yeah, and and where is she? Cleaning up after other people's problems. <laughs> and I did want to have that moment, too, of Kaya being like, man... I, I don't know how I'm going to make it through this. I have to just keep going. And so that's why she has that encounter with the kid where it's like, okay, this is back to a personal scale. This is a good thing I can do. I can keep going. All comes back to personal scale. 
Yeah, I I know you didn't you didn't write this one of the side stories, but the the Ravnica one. You're talking about like lack of consequences. There are like two guilds that were completely wiped out. What is that going <laughs> to do to the power balance on Ravnica? Ravnica I'm sure they'll walk like, it off. Yeah, yeah, they always walk it off. They always yeah. walk it off. <laughs> I mean, New Capenna. They dropped New That's... Capenna on Atraxa. <laughs> yeah. New Capenna was like the biggest city on that plane by far and was the majority of that plane. What are all of those people going to do now? Yeah, it, it's they, they dropped the whole upper section on her, uh, which making uh, making a angel pancake is one way to deal with all those keywords. Pancake, <laughs> make an angel pancakes. Yeah. I just like I just like these riveters. They're just like, yeah, we'll undo it. Like, yeah. unrivet, unrivet. Like, <laughs> Union strong, baby. Yeah, right. Yeah. That's like straight out. Yes. See, and you, you say that about Ravnica, whereas I'm like, this is it. This is Cranko's moment to shine. The guilds are <laughs> the guilds are the guilds are gone. The guildless are ready to rise up, and there's a goblin there. Ready He's to ready. Too busy. He's too busy looting. Do not. Oh. <sighs> Taya knows. Taya knows just how to <laughs> stick that knife into my back. <laughs> the treatment of Franco. There's, there's so much that we still haven't seen, and I think that um, one of the things that maybe people don't have entirely in their heads is that, firstly, we still have to see a whole lot of stuff, but also that you know, there's thousands of people dead here like even in that scene with um Sahili and with pia uh there were so many people dying there the ships were falling yeah. left and right <laughs> like it was not that an was just easy one thing. plane yeah we're talking across all the planes we're talking probably billions dead yeah like Sahili made dinobots and those were not enough to defend kaladesh <laughs> so and you know some of oh god I was saying, who knows what's going on in Sokovia? Lots of little one-one um, whales could have been destroyed. Yeah, we just got Battle of Sokovia. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was so excited. It's so good. Yeah, in terms of consequences, uh, I promise that there are consequences. Uh, please trust me and wait a month. Yeah, I mean, I think we we already have them, and we're going to get even more. But it's just there's so much going on. It's and and yeah. again, like this this undoing of completion is not something that's easily replicated. Um, yeah. What happened with Nahi, yes. uh, with Nissa, and with uh, Ajani is something that's like you can't yeah. just replicate that. It People required, died. Yeah, it, it required a sacrifice and a spark to do that. I'm sure they can just go back to Urza's rummage sales somewhere on Dominaria. He's probably got sparks lying around. <laughs> like, who knows? It would um, not surprise uh, me. <laughs> I mean, he left to fairies just hanging around in a in a puzzle book. Right. Cave. Like, <laughs> like, whatever. God, Urza's the worst. As long as I can get yeah. him somewhere. He really is. <laughs> I just, I hate him so much. <laughs> Yeah, you created a golem with depression. <laughs> he flat if out he ever did. Did deserve that. That's what I mean. He flat out even tells him this. Like, 
Yeah, like there was that line oh. about people pity things that can scream. Like, <laughs> yeah, that was that was terrible. <laughs> yes, it just says so much, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. uh. Well, Kira, I know that we we have way more that we want to talk to you about. Um, <laughs> so. We would love to have you back. <laughs> I would love to be back. This has been very fun. The time has flown by. I know it has. And that's the thing. It's because I th- this story was so, to me, it was very gripping. And there's there's so many other things that I know, just specific story things tied to both your process as well as like a little bit of what you're able to say in terms of like wizards versus, you know, like what, like I know Tay and I had some questions about like decisions. Um, so we would like to schedule for you to come back. Uh, before we do that, which we, we, if you're willing to, and it sounds like you are, uh, we wanted to just like give you a chance to say like anything that you want to on the way out. Tell people either where to find you, where to buy more of those books, ways to support you. Uh, and yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, so firstly, big ups to all my homies from Brooklyn. Uh, but following, uh, my, my name's Kay Arsenault Rivera. Again, that's two last names. Uh, my Twitter is at Arsenault Rivera. That's both of my last names. Um, I'm also on that handle on very many other websites uh, if you would like to follow me before Twitter implodes. My books are The Tiger's Daughter, The Phoenix Empress, and The Warrior Moon. And if you like sapphics, and also original Kamigawa block uh, and a disease that spread via black liquid. I swear I didn't plan this several years <laughs> in advance. Um, please do check them out. Uh, they are very reasonably priced. I am very close to earning out. I would love if you picked them up. Uh, aside from that, uh, if you did like these stories, then I would really appreciate if you let wizards know, because I would love to keep writing for Magic the Gathering. Yeah, I, you know, I, I hope that we we have been vocal enough, and I've had multiple discords that I'm in have been just devouring these stories as they've come out, and yes, it has been a joy discussing them and just seeing how much excitement there is around them. Uh, even, you know, how, how excited I was to see Luca yeeted off with no expectations, <laughs> you know. Uh- the, the whole the... Elish Norn is like, he's probably going to fail. And I'm like, yeah. He's going to fail, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I love all my children equally. Yeah. I don't care for that. Yeah. Uh, one of the funniest things, real quick, about this whole thing is uh, I'm in a Discord server with a guy I went to high school with. His name is Stan. And it's completely unrelated. It's just like a regular general purpose Discord server. At some point, uh, when episode six dropped, he just posts a screen cap from another server he's in and he adds me. And this person, they made a Waffle House meme of Elspeth and Elishnor. <laughs> like the throne chair? Add, yeah, with the throne chair. And it works because <laughs> Norn does throw the chair at her. He does. She does. And, That's and why Stan, I'm like, oh my gosh. Yeah, it I works, need to right? find this. Um, and, and Stan's just like, Kira, what did you do? <laughs> So it, it's been funny seeing the like spread that that has had that even, you know, like people far removed from me, it's found its way back to me. So it's, that's been very fulfilling. Great. Well, thank you so much for spending the time with us. We really appreciate it. Of course. I really appreciate you having me. This has been a lot of fun. Yeah, we'll we'll get her back as soon as we are able to. Before we go, Tay and I would also like to just thank all of our patrons and our da- our Discord. They they have been 
become just so active i think especially with everything with twitter going on but this set has i feel like it's re-energized our previews our story channels have been just going off since these stories have been dropping these and the side stories and i i will say uh taya just did the episode last week for those who have listened about the side stories uh which i was bummed to not join because those were also just out there they were there were some very very strong stories and I yeah, was so were. thankful to get one more Allison Lur's uh, story. Yeah. I will say, as what someone, a story! Like, yeah, yeah. So as someone who's been you know involved with Magic Story one way or another for decades, I say we're. It feels like we're in a golden age of Magic Story right now, where we've got authors who are involved with the game and and really care about the game and the characters. We're getting a wide variety of authors. We're getting samples. Uh, we're getting lesbians. So I'm always happy about that. <laughs> I'm always happy to provide lesbians. So yeah. far, lesbians have been in everything I've written for Magic, and I don't intend to stop. Yeah, I appreciate that a lot. Um, but yeah, it's a great time to be a Vorthos. It is. And I would say, too, that this is one of those things that uh, after the story that never happened that we can forget as a fever dream um we have we have been we have been climbing the right direction and i am very happy with where we are right now so thank you all for joining in and that's our show for today you can find all of the hosts on twitter for now hobbs can be found at hobbs q Taya can be found at Taya transcends and alex can be found at mel underscore chronicler feel free to send us any questions comments thoughts hopes and dreams to the Goblin Lord Pod on Twitter or email us at goblinlordpodcast at gmail.com. If you would like to support your friendly neighborhood gobslugs, our link tree can be found on our Twitter account and in the description of today's show. This has everything from various discount codes to the link for our Patreon. The music for today's show was by Vintergotten, who can be found at Vintergotten at bandcamp.com. The art was done by Stephen Raphael, who can be found at Steve Raffle on Twitter. Goblin Lore is proud to be presented by Hipsters of the Coast as part of their growing Vorthos content. Check them out on Twitter at HipstersMTG or online at HipstersOfTheCoast.com. Thank you for listening. And remember, goblins, like snowflakes, are only dangerous in numbers.